Hi. Hi. My name's Xavier. I'm Allison. And this is Housewives Theory. Welcome back, BB. Welcome back. We missed you. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, and just a little reminder for those of you who are returning fans, um, friends, not really fans, uh, we are a safe space, okay? This is a place to talk about all things housewives. Mm to geek out. And I know I'm not judged when I bring up Tamara Judge's hair from season three, episode three. Well, Tamara Barney. (laughs) You know what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me. (laughs) I mean, I want you to picture this as you being at a boring office party. You're seated next to someone in, I don't know, accounting. You don't know them. You guys have both reached for the last bag of pretzels, snack size, it's hell. And you look at someone and you say... Think I got a poem, baby. It's a goodie. <laughs> Roses are red. Violets are blue. Roses are beautiful. <laughs> and so are you. And you realize, oh my God, I have a friend. I'm going to get through this party. That is who we are to you. And we're so happy that you're here. <laughs> Listen, I'm most upset that we're fighting over pretzels. Like, that's how you know you're desperate at the party. Snack size, yes. <laughs> Um, Real Housewives, and we hope Housewives Theory for you is not a guilty pleasure, but rather it is a black and gray chinchilla jacket. (laughs) Faux, of course. (laughs) And just a reminder, Alice and I are both writers in Los Angeles, so when we talk about these women, we talk about them as if they are characters. We break down who they were yesterday, Mm. who they are today, Mm. who are they going to be tomorrow? Mm. And with these ladies, these New Jersey ladies, those are the questions. (laughs) Today's episode is on Real Housewives of New Jersey season two. Wow. We're here. We are here. This season aired from May 3rd, 2010 to September 6th, 2010. Sophomore season. Sophomore slump, some might say. Oh, wait, what? Oh, you thought it was a slumpy season? It was a cup of lukewarm coffee without creamer. That's disgusting. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't have to say it. I'm disgusted. It's still coffee. You're still going to drink it. You still need the energy. No. But it's not the coffee that you want. It depends who you are because I'm not drinking lukewarm coffee, honey. (laughs) Don't get it twisted. Some of us have standards. (laughs) Okay. I I thought it was a great season. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm I'm happy that you enjoyed yourself. You Oh, so you hated it. I did not hate it. I think You did enjoy yourself. I think it's impossible to hate a season with such good characters. And there was... So many good scenes, but all in all, it was a bad season to me. I would tell people not to start New Jersey with season two. That's obscene. That's obscene. That's a terrible take. That's a very bad housewife's theory. I'm so excited (laughs) to fight you because you're wrong. This was a good season. It did have some issues. Like there were some issues obviously with the cast and filming and like the separation of it. So like that was of course an uphill battle. But overall, I think this is one of the most iconic Real Housewife seasons of certainly New Jersey, but I think across the board. I think this, I think this season is great. It has such... I, I don't know. It has such strong footing to me. It really does. Yeah. I mean, you had one housewife who was filming with her chihuahuas the entire time. And you had another group of housewives, the rest of the housewives, just braiding each other's hair and talking about how they hated the other housewife the entire time. Someone should have, ste- a producer should have stepped in. Morally, it was not right. And you know, I actually thought of you. Don't point your finger at me. I- <laughs> you guys are missing this. Mostly... I thought about you when I was talking about how upset I was that Jill Zarin didn't come back in one of the seasons of Real Housewives of New York, her last season. And we were like, there, and you were saying to me, like, if there's no one to film with her, then who, what is she going to do? How is the season going to go? And I'm like, they would have still made it work. I take back my words. It did not work. <laughs> I take back my words. 
Okay, let's get into taglines so we can jump in. <sighs> let's get into taglines. These taglines are the same from season one, but for formality's sake, we're going to say them again. And they're good. We have to. Dina, if you think I'm a bitch, then bring it on. Teresa, people make fun of Jersey girls, but I think they're just jealous. Caroline, if you're going to mess with my family, you're messing with me. Jacqueline, everyone likes to have nice things, but I'm not one to brag about it. Danielle, you're either going to love me or hate me. There is no in-between with me. Why did your voice get so deep? Because that's how she talks. (laughs) Sorry, I'm committed. Jump scare. You also (laughs) missed a stutter that Jacqueline had in her tagline, but I'm not one to brag about it. Don't you remember? It's such a weird tagline. It's still my least favorite tagline of the bunch. It is. I think we're going to, that's the one thing we're going to agree with this season. And my favorite is still, I mean, Danielle's is so classic. It really is. So I think that's probably still my favorite. I think I'm going to like Danielle's as well. (laughs) I think it's a good one because honestly, she stayed true to that tagline. You could not think of that tagline and think of her. It is completely, yeah, she tells you who she is from the jump. Yep. And it's worth noting that for the first seven episodes, Dina is the center of the title card. And after she leaves, it is Teresa and Jacqueline. Okay. Um, who should we talk about first? I don't even know. Let's talk about, let's talk about Caroline. Oh, let's talk about Caroline. I like that. You know, Caroline, I feel like really wasn't in the mix so much this season. What? I didn't feel like she was. Caroline was the backbone of season two. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a disaster of an episode. I won't won't interrupt you. Sorry. Call me Caroline because I just interrupted you while you were in your- Call you Kanye. I'm going to let you finish, but- (laughs) Bringing up Kanye casually. Um, (laughs) Go on. Sorry. I didn't feel like Caroline was super in the mix this season. She is the one who really was, as Ali kind of already mentioned, a big thing this season was Danielle kind of being isolated from the cast and no one really being able to film, not being able, no one being willing to film with her except for like little pockets of moments. And Caroline, I feel like was the one who consistently throughout the season didn't cross paths with Danielle until the finale. That's right. So to me, she did feel a little out of the mix in that way. Not maybe out of the mix, but like lower key than she was last season for me. Oh, definitely lower key than last season. But I think, I guess, our definitions of in the mix are different. She was the sounding board for everybody this season. So for this season, it was basically Danielle versus everybody. I'm sure you've picked up on that from our little tips earlier. But uh, Caroline was the person that Teresa was going to, Jacqueline was going to, Dina was going to, anytime there was some kind of Danielle drama. And Caroline, like you said, that she was not really involved directly with Danielle, but she was almost the one steering the ship in her own way. I don't agree with that. I feel like they came to Caroline time and time and time again, and she told them the same thing, the same thing, and the same thing. Don't get involved. You don't want to see her. She's this, she's that. And I feel like it was... I love Caroline, but I just don't feel like she had a huge... They did what they wanted. They did not listen to her. That's fair. I guess steered the (laughs) ship. I also am... I love her so much. And I I know that... that, I feel like it's a flaw to really love Caroline Manzo because I think that there are so many issues with her, but I like her so much and I was so surprised by her as a housewife when I first watched the show season one. I was just so happy to have her in season two and she had so many triumphant little moments and one-liners in this season. So... 
I, it's not really a trait that I'm proud of. But Wait, but why is it a flaw to love her? I think that a lot of people hate Caroline Manzo. I feel like when I joined Housewives social media and I was following all these bloggers and things like that, people could not stand her. And I think it's because she automatically walks in and assumes she's going to get respect from women in the room. She is the quote unquote older one, the mama bear. She has all the answers to everything and she doesn't seemingly have many like insecurities at least ones that she shows to the women or you know have like breakdowns like a lot of the other women and so I I just like her because she's so different from any other housewife to me I you know I don't think it's flawed to love Caroline I think what you're touching on we touched on this last New Jersey episode is that in present day there's been a lot of discourse in regards to Caroline versus Teresa and people taking very strong sides in that and because Teresa's still on the show present day I feel like that's probably what you were picking up on maybe that's what it is Um, because I feel like when this was airing like certainly there are moments but I think Caroline was very well liked for the most part like people appreciated that kind of like like strong, you know, force in a storm. <laughs> Sadly, I wasn't there. I would have loved to be live in the tweets during this moment. The tweets, oh, honey. I know. I'm sure they were. <laughs> Vile. What I loved about Caroline was one of the first scenes, I think, that we had with her, at least one of the first ones that stuck with me, was her going with her husband, Albert, who has lost a lot of weight, to a suit fitting. And she's just crying at how, quote, beautiful he is. She loves him so much. And she has brought in her hand physical printed out photos of his before body. It was the, the way that I would throw myself off the bed. <laughs> Why? This, you don't know the stylist. She's like, oh, wow. It was such a, here, let me pull my kids' school photos yes. out of my wallet yeah. to show you how cute they are moment. <laughs> It was cute, but I was like, I would die. And I feel like Albert was a little bit embarrassed, but they're cute. What can you do, you know? Um, So for me, I feel like this season, the story that Caroline did have really did involve her family. Yeah. And kind of like, of course, raising her children and dealing with the notion. And I thought this was interesting. Dealing with the notion of feeling like an empty nester while her kids were still technically at home. Yes. But just knowing that they're like moments away from leaving the nest and her kind of realizing like, what is next for me? I thought was really interesting. I was surprised at how long Albert works because he's an older gentleman. Caroline and her husband, Albert, go out and she basically says to him, you need to slow down your work schedule. The kids are going to be gone. I want to spend more time with each other. And he's like, maybe I'll work 12 hours a day instead of 16. And I was like, I'm not even awake for 16 hours. I, I was surprised. And I know that he's one of those people, you know, per him, that has to work so that he doesn't feel like he's old and all of that. But... I felt bad for Caroline, especially he's gone on the weekends, too. I think that makes sense to me because, you know, the brownstone is essentially an event space. So imagine you're having a wedding. Yeah, you're right. You have to get everything prepared for the bride and the bridal party and the groom to show up early in the morning. And they're going to be there until night. So I'm sure he pulls some really long days. Yeah. Uh, Another Caroline thing, I know that there aren't that many big storyline things with her since she was, in my opinion, the backbone. Low key, one might say. I loved Out of the mix. I loved the- No, she's in the mix. She's in the mix. I'll give you that. Low key though. I'm keeping it. Coming for Caroline. (laughs) No, I love Caroline. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Justice for me and Caroline. (laughs) Uh, The cop event at her house. Can we talk about that? Let's talk about it. What the hell? The way people- First of all, there's so many things to say about throwing a fundraiser for the sheriff's department what and it's just a weird thing they had like a whole like seafood setup a full bar whatever i think they had it maybe at their house yeah uh and it, you know it was my favorite because thing. the children 
infamously had to clean up the dog poop. That's right. That's right. Before I totally forgot. He was like, and then all the kids were just disgust. He needs to move this. You need to clean this off. I would have been so stressed out. The way that Albert was stressed out, sorry to bring this up. I do feel like there is, you know, there's all those rumors with the Manzo family being involved in organized crime. Sorry, per the internet, not per my personal opinion. But the way that he was nervous, I just couldn't stop thinking about all those blogs that I had read about them kind of being in on all of that i did so not that pick cop- up on that at all oh, okay cool so you don't watch tv shows <laughs> um the way that people showed up for this event the thousand dollar play event you had to pay a thousand dollars to get in mm-hmm. they were all dressed up like they were from a 2004 kohl's catalog the people from southern california know i was like there there's i'm seeing like acid wash jeans at this one thousand dollar a play event and it was just crazy to me and i loved We'll talk about Danielle, but one of my favorite Danielle lines this season, because when she's wrong, she's wrong. But when she's right, she's very freaking right. If you're as thick as thieves, why do you need to raise money for the sheriff's department? I'm just saying. <laughs> as you said, these are the questions. As she pretends to like show up at the house that to was check so out. Sad. I was like, Danielle. <laughs> I know. That was sad. Um, there was also, I have to say, like the kids stuff. It was interesting to me the first time that I watched it. This time I was like, I don't really care. It's actually quite annoying, the stuff with Albie. I have all the sympathy in the world for him. Her oldest son, Albie, was in law school. He was being dropped because he had a low GPA. The reason that he was saying he had a low GPA is because he has a learning disability. And he was having a hard time keeping up with the workload. It was difficult for him, and the school was not accommodating. So he was basically saying, this is it for me. I can't do it. The school's kicking me out. And Caroline was just fiercely, for I want to say eight episodes, maybe even nine, just crying and saying he can do it. That was, oh, I'm glad, great mom, but that was not a storyline. The funny thing with that, it's so funny because there's that that scene with her and Albie where she is like, tearing up the thing about Caroline that is both a positive and a negative to me is her ability to speechify and she's (laughs) so funny and the reason it's great is for moments like this with Albie when she's like do not let that person tell you you cannot be what you want to be ever ever now give me a hug (laughs) and then but then there are moments where her speechification is a bit hyperbolic and I'm just like okay Carol high on her own supply (laughs) which is why I love it in the same which is great television it is great in the same way that I love Luann truly thinking she is the answer to everything she is a countess sitting on a throne she has people waiting that's it's the same thing with for me with caroline but she's less delusional to me but i love them both the same there was also the whole thing with chris her middle son her second son her youngest child her youngest child that was a struggle um chris and the stripper club car wash what was that it's his his dream honey it's his (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he wants to have a car wash. I don't really understand it either. He wants to have a car wash that is also a strip club, which to me, okay, shocker to y'all, maybe I've never been to a strip club in my life. <laughs> and I feel like from what I've heard, though, it's a place where you go and like spend some time where a car wash is the exact opposite of that, where you are in and you are out. <laughs> and <laughs> He winked. <laughs> Where you are, okay, lies, pathological. <laughs> Where you're in and you're out. So those two things conflict for me. So I genuinely don't understand. I think that it's a good excuse for, I mean, I'm not a straight man wanting to go to a strip club, but it's a good excuse to be like, hun, I'm going to get the car washed and you're going to the stripper car wash instead to see like a half boob. I don't really know. It's weird to me. It's giving Tom Haverford from Parks and Rec Entertainment 720. If you know, you know that he's looking at me blankly. Xavier is a hater of comedy. I don't know if you know this. Doesn't Why like are you watch always coming for me? 
I cooked for you. I decorated. I made it nice. <laughs> you did cook for me. Um, but that look was haunting. Um, but yeah, I, it <laughs> there was also I Lauren. <laughs> There's also Lauren who is dating Albie's best friend. Vito the drama. Vito the drama. I did feel bad for Lauren because everybody's always talking down to Lauren, making fun of Lauren. And I feel like she seemed like she was finally in a good place this season. She's focusing on her makeup and with Vito. Like, I totally agree with that. One thing that did crack me up was in the premiere whenever Albie looks over and sees Lauren and Vito kiss. And the most monotone voice ever, he's like, they're so cute. Look at that. That's great. (laughs) I was like, let Lauren rest. Shady little bitch. No. And that's funny because I feel like that's such a thing that Albert would say. Everything that the the kids you can tell are so close to their parents in a real and genuine way. They all sound like each other at certain points, especially when they're making fun of other people. But we haven't talked about Caroline's biggest feud of the season, which is Caroline versus the ham game. Oh, my God. (laughs) What in the white, white nonsense? Throwing food at each other and joke the way that if I threw a cold cut at my sibling, it's I would be sleeping outside next to the dog. Honey, you do not waste good ham. No. Oh, and the way that she knew what they were doing when she walked in. Christopher. (laughs) Oh, my God. I forgot about how gross it was. And also just the fact that it's ham, which is so flesh colored. It's very upsetting. It's so gross. I reacted. Speaking of flesh colored, should we talk about Grandma Wrinkles, a.k.a. Dina? No, that sounds like I was calling it does Dina. Sound like you were, I was about to fight you. I was finding a transition. I love Dina. Let's talk about Dina. Let's talk about, I was, who is beautiful, and I know you who agree is with me. Gorgeous she and so stunning. Gorgeous. This season, she looked so, those bangs. I she she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous, and she knows it. Okay, let's talk about Dina. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dina, as we mentioned earlier, leaves seven episodes into the season. So what I will say about her is that is even though she's not my favorite, she has the pieces, you know, like the pieces to be iconic. If Dina just liked a little bit of confrontation, it would have been on and popping. Yeah. Like it would have been on and popping. She could have lasted a lot longer and been in the mix more. Sorry, not to trick you, rather by saying in the mix. Um, because like she says these I don't little. Get it. I just left. <laughs> oh, Caroline, I'm sorry. Good Lord. Okay. We're not all working with a full set. Um, <laughs> I know you're not talking about me. Girl. Because um, so, Dina has these like little quips like in her last episode, when, or not her last episode, her last episode full time, where she's like, karma's a bitch and so is she. Talking about Danielle, I was just like, Dina, you have the pieces if only you didn't run all the time. I think that, okay, I also, for some reason, I always think of you, I feel like she wants to skin me and wear me like last year's Versace. Because it's one of my favorite quotes. It's it was such so a, good. I always think of you with that. I love Dina. On paper, I shouldn't really like Dina that much because she does back away from a fight a lot. I think that it's legal and I this is a little annoying me doing googling on the side but part of the reason that Dina was not on the show anymore I read online is because some lies that Danielle was spreading was causing trouble with her ex-husband and threatening like a custody agreement or something with her child and we all know Miss Dina Manzo does not play when it comes to her child and they say you know the the last reunion we kind of get a little piece of this and we don't find out but in the season two reunion they say that the thing Caroline was so upset about last year is that allegedly Danielle was trying to get 
Lexi taken away from Dina. Yeah, I did a deep dive on that. I'll spare everyone. But I genuinely believe that is something that Danielle in a fit of rage was trying to do. And so I can see Dina being like, I'm not even going to mess with it because there's nothing more important to her than family, not even the show. But, you know, she does have some good lines, even though she doesn't ever start a fight or even finish a fight, really. (laughs) Um, She does have some great lines. And I just love seeing her. Though I am a maximalist and her house stresses me the hell out I can't even look at it it's very upsetting and you've yeah. seen my house <laughs> everything everything has a space everything has a place there is no room and Dina's house stresses me out so much you know what you know speaking of her like funny lines the one that sticks out to me from this season I don't know why because it's ridiculous but when she's talking about Jacqueline and her parenting with Ashley do you know what I'm gonna say I'm so happy you're bringing this up she says <laughs> she says did you ever get hit with a wooden spoon yeah doesn't tickle (laughs) and it's the way she says doesn't tickle it kind of like this whisper it like sends me it sends me to another planet when she said that I was cracking up my boyfriend was cracking up it was it was truly so funny and only sorry (laughs) oh my god it's the new I'm gonna say it I want to be your girl (laughs) once an episode once an episode once once an episode I'm mad I didn't say it this time. I'm so sad that's sticking. But yeah, it's uh, it's sad that she didn't stick around for the whole season and that she couldn't really be, I think, the housewife that she wanted to be. Exactly. Because Jacqueline also mentioned, too, just to add on to what you were saying earlier, that coming in, she mentioned this on the show, not the research that Allie does in the Midnight Hour, um, <laughs> that <laughs> Dina had been getting mean phone calls and letters and her mailbox had been vandalized. So clearly the blood was just bad, you know, and she had to remove herself from the situation. Because one thing I actually appreciate about Dina that I, I don't know if I'd forgotten, but I, it surprised me is her willingness to give Danielle a second chance. You know, it started in the last reunion a little bit um, of her showing her a little grace, but her coming in and being like, and I think it was her trying to keep forces at bay. Honestly, it's like, it's like the devil, you know, kind of, <laughs> and her, but her willingness to like, be like, okay, like I'm going to give this person another chance. And then Danielle obviously couldn't rise to the occasion, but I did appreciate that quality in her. I appreciated how full of shit that was. And you didn't how, think she actually was? No, you catch more flies with Lenny. I think that she got that advice from everyone in her family. If you're nice to Danielle, even for a second, she will back off. I think the problem was Danielle not backing off or whatever she was doing behind the scenes. She didn't calculate that Danielle was so angry that no one would film with her, that no one was going to be her friend or try to make up with her, that it didn't even matter. So I think her having that big confrontation with Danielle was which was so mean but funny um calling Danielle on it seemed like it was under the guise of I want to make up with you or maybe want to have a chat with you whatever it was under the guise of I'm leaving the show and they're forcing me to film one last scene with you but the (laughs) the text message that Danielle received I think that she may be or I at least when I was watching it it seemed like she was making it seem like it was going to be an innocent little conversation Mm. so I think that that it was a phone call right she called her. Oh, maybe it was. When she I'm was sorry. in the store with Danny. I was thinking of Caroline's text to um, Danielle. Sorry. Yes, when she was um, trying on suits for Danny, um, rewarding him for his bad behavior, which we'll get to. Another thing that I loved about Dina's storyline this season was her being asked to be Adriana's <gasps> oh! godmother. I'm going to cry thinking about it. So It made me tear up. Oh. Like, it, I leg- like actual tears. Because you know she loves that baby. And even when she go- went to go visit Teresa in the hospital, you can tell she was there just to be her friend she was getting emotional when she just saw her and that you know she has such a love for children you can tell and when she's holding that baby first of all props to Teresa I can't believe she pulled that off when she's like how does it feel 
to be holding your goddaughter. I was like, nailed it. Absolutely. Nailed it. Waterworks on, <laughs> for everyone, all me and them on screen. It and was then, so good. And then her saying, in Italian, they say you're supposed to pick someone that you would want your daughter to be like. It was just such a sweet, intimate scene between these two women who clearly had a real friendship. And it was so, it was just so touching. Things can get so intense and dark on New Jersey. But when you have these real moments of love and family and friendship, which we did get a good amount of those this season, nothing beats it. No franchise beats it. And that's how you sold it to me. That's what Housewives is about. Exactly. I'm feeling, feeling, that's what Housewives is about. It's like, I tell this to anyone. It's like, yes, you know, it's the drama. It is women sometimes picking each other apart, but it's also women lifting each other up. And there's the small, intimate little moments that we have with each other. Yes, I say we. um, (laughs) That we have with each other that just transcend everything. Agree. That's why I love these shows. And I would hope that uh, Dina would be my unborn child's godmother and get them their first pair of little Gucci Gucci. shoes. (laughs) Should we talk about Teresa? Let's talk about Teresa. Oh my goodness. Teresa. Teresa. Okay. I got to say it. The serotonin boost I had seeing a grate of tomatoes being dumped into water buckets in Teresa's opening scene for this (laughs) season. It's them making red sauce 180 jars because they make it for the year. Um, Her making red sauce with like her entire family basically with obviously Joe and the girls because this is a a tradition she does with the girls before they go back to school every year and she hopes that they'll want to make sauce with their children and also Joe's parents and Teresa's parents and her nine months pregnant just running around Canning doing everything, this, doing everything, canning the sauce, lifting things she probably shouldn't be lifting. I loved that scene so much, and it just reminded me of my family yeah. because I would always can stuff with my mom and my grandma and my aunties. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, we would always can tomatoes, we, all kinds of stuff. But tomatoes were certainly a big one, and it was so hilarious to me because my mom back in the day, sorry, mom, putting you on blast. <laughs> if she didn't want to do it or didn't feel like it, she would say that she it was her time of the month. <laughs> so when that came up, I cackled because that was a thing in my family too. My cousin one time was on her period. My grandma was like, out. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Do you have Italian in your family? I don't think so. Only so Jesus th- knows. Uh, this is just, a, it's it's a canning thing, I guess, from oh. rural areas. Who's to, I don't know where it comes from, but so I So many up, questions. I, girl, same. I grew <laughs> up with that same. So like when they were talking about that, I was like, yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. Look, I think I've maybe mentioned Which this. is, let's be clear, is I'm sure rooted in something super misogynistic and yes. is probably ridiculous horrible though i would hope back in the day that some woman got out of housework by saying that so i'm just hoping it was a positive thing for women at a certain point and not just a negative thing but but for the women in my family it was a tried and true thing it's like if you are on your period you will not be canning today thank you that's wild i um did not have that personal experience but i think i mentioned this to you the first time that i watched jersey before we watched or we recorded the pot or anything i said to you like i don't i liked season one the finale kind of drew me in i didn't really know this opening scene with Teresa and that was like it was that moment that magic moment where I'm like oh I love Jersey I love that scene so much it was with all her family there it means so much to her parents I love seeing her parents all the kids hungover Joe everyone is doing their normal I forgot Joe's 90 hungover 90% of the time of this entire season Joe's just trying to survive you know I loved loved her looking at her dad and being like so papa what do you think I'm having and him being like a baby (laughs) 
and she's like, oh, okay. I yeah, that's I love him sometimes turning it on for the camera and other times being like, don't even talk to me. Uh, it's so great. And I loved seeing her mom too, because I feel like we don't get a lot of camera time it, with her mom like, later. It makes my my heart ache a little bit, I yeah. will say. Anytime I see her mom on camera, just because like, you know, in present day, we all know this, like Teresa doesn't have her parents. And so when I see moments with her and them on the show, I'm always a little like, oh, I'm glad that they have this. I'm glad that she has this on camera and this memory. Um, it was very sweet. And I love the opening scene. Would have been a perfect opening scene if it hadn't been for the Jewish comments. Oh, my um, God. I was like, the anti-Semitism, like, the Jewish community getting hit left and right in these shows. It's just bizarre to me. I did appreciate how Teresa immediately shut it down. But you also know, I'm like, was this a teaching moment later? Who's to say? You or know? Well, everybody laughed at the kid, too. That's the, exactly. you know, at the kid, at Gia. I know her name. This is a Gia Stan account. You this were little. G- you didn't know any better. Yes. You know, but like. Adults should have corrected you. Exactly. But there was an insensitive comment about her not wanting to marry a Jewish guy for whatever reason even though Teresa told her to marry down. a Jewish man exactly yeah and Teresa shut it down once she said it yeah but um without if that hadn't been there then that scene would have truly been a perfect opener agree how did you feel about Teresa this season as a whole Teresa this season as a whole was so interesting to me because she knew she was famous. She was doing a really good job of honing in her brand, I think, more than most of the housewives in the early season. She was like, I am the skinny Italian Italian girl. She was. (laughs) She was like, I am who I am. My brand is my family. I love my girls. I love my husband. She I think that she was superwoman this season, especially the first half before the financial trouble set in. Oh my gosh. Seeing that starting to eke through. Yeah. And it never fully eked through the season until the like you read in the title card obviously at the end of the season but seeing the little moments I didn't remember it happening as soon as season two I thought we had at least another season to go so to see those little flickers of Joe just being like you shouldn't be spending the yeah. like like offhandedly and it felt it made me so sad because I thought this was a great season for Teresa there was something so special about seeing her pregnant with Aww. Adriana who we've watched grow up yeah. and seeing her give birth and just to see those happy moments but then to also know that that she is standing in the middle of the train tracks and the train is coming and no one knows it's coming right now. Like she doesn't know, nope. like, like no one knows the severity of what's about to happen in, in the next few years. And that was really hard for me to watch and made me very sad. I agree. I think that I was trying really hard to push it out of my mind because I know it's going to be a, something for many seasons to come. But I also enjoyed seeing Teresa in her happy place, her happy place being surrounded by money at the top of her friend group and surrounded by family and also being there for her girls. And I cannot believe that woman did not have a nanny. That's wild to me. That woman did not have a nanny. She, she did not have anyone helping her clean the home. Like she did and prided herself on doing everything on herself. And I was like, no wonder she's late to everything. Caroline and Jacqueline, like she's exhausted. (laughs) She's running the household. (laughs) And she's shopping, she's shopping, doing it. She's doing it all. Like she, yes. Wild. Another funny moment (laughs) that I think about when I think of her a little bit this season too is when she is giving, it's so small, but when she's giving birth and I thought it was, it was like how they, they put the camera on the outside of the room and you're basically seeing the outside and you're hearing what is happening. And as she is in the middle of pushing a baby out of her vagina, Joe goes, I hope I don't throw up that hamburger. And I was like, Joe. Okay, we need to talk about Teresa giving birth on Bravo. This was such a good scene. I, it's seared into my brain. The scream, I remember. I can hear it right I do, now. I, exactly. On a loop. So Teresa goes into labor on camera. She wakes up Joe. She goes, "Hun, I feel pressure. We got to go. And he wakes up hungover. Where do you want to go? And she goes, hospital. <laughs> it's like, where do you think she wants to go? She goes, 
it just they all took turns drinking their coffee she made the girls breakfast she tidied up she returned email it's she's like this is my fourth baby i know how it goes it's peak Teresa, and even when she was in the hospital she was in pain she was like had like three different phone calls going on her motorola razor on oh my god the hospital phone it was so good and she was in a lot of pain and clearly freaking out there was one point where they i don't believe they should have showed this um am suing them showing the epidural needle going into her spine it didn't bother me it didn't graze anatomy uh but it was very upsetting to me um as someone who will probably need one when i give birth if i give birth someday um after the scene who knows and after <laughs> she's crying she it hurts so much she goes it hurts so much she goes is my makeup messed up <laughs> i felt so bad for i her did too because i've heard those things are not comfortable getting you yeah, know it's... and it could tell you could tell she was really in some pain and we get a little mention a little uh banner at the bottom of the screen teresa's brother we got a lot of little like foreshadows. So much foreshadows. Like trust and believe when we were at Adriana's christening, yeah. I was Look I was at- rewinding, I was pausing, and there was a Melissa sighting, oh, there was a Kathy sighting, and of course there was a Joe Gorga sighting. Yes. All of them. And there was this moment where Teresa's talking about them having another daughter. And she's talking about Joe, and she was like, "Boys, leave leave after you get married." She, and and Aww. she was like, "Joe will be happy when he's old and he's surrounded by all of his girls." And I was like, "Ooh, this one little line is going to feed us for actual years." Yes, like it, I so I appreciated seeing those little nuggets popped throughout the season. She was so good, and she didn't even know how good she was. <laughs> it, it, it was just so good. I also loved Dina when she. We already talked about Dina, but when she went to go see the baby, and she's like, "She's so perfect. She looks like a C-section baby." <laughs> <laughs> What does that even mean? Because, you know? Okay. Also, um, not a puffy Chucky. Oh, oh God. If I you should not. sue for anything, it should be. <laughs> I should sue for puffy Chucky. Emotional damages. Uh, puffy Chucky is in reference to her swollen vagina. Um, and what I was talking about before was uh, Dina was saying that when a child comes out of the birth canal, it, sometimes the head is all weird. I have not given birth, so I don't know. I've only been this, told. I've heard this many a time. And Adriana, and she was correct, looked like a picture-perfect doll of a baby. Like, unbelievably cute out the womb, which is rare. Okay, let's be honest. And she was, like, perfectly shaped. So when she called her a C-section baby, I was like, that's a perfect way to sum it up. Yeah. It also, it felt so correct to Adriana being born. And I was like, finally, Teresa has her four daughters. Love that oh, you know oh my gosh one Teresa quote I did love and it bring me it brought me so much joy any pocket of like this is my internalized <laughs> struggles any pocket of like a little bit of homosexual acceptance always <laughs> brings me so much oh, joy yeah so like everyone would you know joke with Teresa about like you know if you have a son like Teresa has three daughters like he's gonna be in a feather and all all of that and Teresa's like people always tease me that if I have a boy that they say I'm gonna turn him gay I would love it we would go shopping together (laughs) (laughs) just I was delighted I think I mean I'm sure that that I don't know maybe meant a lot to her fans back then when that was not a thing on television we had like Frankie from Orange County especially like in Jersey yeah you know because Jersey's also this really like macho like hyper masculine Yeah. yeah Yeah, so yeah, I really appreciated her saying that. I did too. Speaking of the accents, can we talk about that speech coordinator or a dialect tra- who tried to change Gia's voice? This How was dare. very upsetting. <laughs> 
So Gia was going in for modeling lessons or acting or acting, sh- acting something like a for her Christian Slater or she had had a Christian Slater audition and they're like we need to work this this thing we need to work on and it's your accent. They wanted to get rid of her accent so it wouldn't seem like she would be you know boxed into roles, which is so sad to me. And when they were like say dog and she was like dog say coffee. <laughs> Coffee. coffee it was so cute i was like how could you ever change that no the notes best. honestly no notes my um. favorite thing at whenever they went to the christian slater audition was um teresa sitting in a room with a bunch of other parents and she asked around and she's like is anyone else going out for it and another mom was like yeah we are and then the cold dead stare between the two of them for what <laughs> felt like ever I was like, this is incredible. Don't cross Teresa. We all know that. Truly. Okay, so obviously Teresa has a lot more stuff uh, in the form of Danielle, but we're going to wait to talk about that when we talk about Danielle and the posh fashion show, and we're going to get into all of that there. But what we should get into is the trip to Italy. Oh my God. This is one of the great trips of Housewives. How perfect. Like, like no notes, a perfect trip for them to go on in season two. Maybe not if you were Albert Manzo, but uh, for everyone else, (laughs) a perfect trip. Listen, my calves are hurting just at the thought of that trip. Oh my God. But. (laughs) I was just in Portugal and what did I text you? I said, this is not a city for big girls. I, them walking up the hill. I would pa- simply pass away. The mountain, actually, oh quite frankly. God. The mountain. I was like, their calves have to be burning. My thighs hurt just watching this. The butt exercise. They're pushing a baby in a stroller. The, the, at one point, the men were picking up the stroller for the stairs. I was like, this would be miserable. I would be, Allison and I would be Jacqueline and Caroline in a stranger's home, <laughs> shoving spaghetti into our mouths as we did simply an hour ago. No, we literally did that an hour ago. And when she was like, do you even know whose house we're in or any? And that was con- so great. And her confessional Caroline is like, to this day, I don't know whose house I was in. <laughs> so a background on this trip. Okay. I don't even know. 20 people went on this trip, but it was <laughs> Teresa Joe, the four girls, and her parents. Mm-hmm. Then there was Teresa's parents and exact, Joe's parents. And Joe's parents, Joe's dad mm-hmm. and Joe's mom. And then there was Jacqueline, her kids, Chris, their parents. Mm-hmm. Then there was Caroline, Albert, and her parents. Mm-hmm. And um, who else? There was I think that was Yeah, for the that yeah. might have been it. And then yeah. give or take a person or two, because I, that's how many people were on this trip. It's over I don't know whose genius idea it was, but their idea was to go to Venice and all these incredible places all over Italy with this gigantic group with Teresa who likes to shop with an infant basically fresh out the womb a bunch of very fussy children because children are not supposed to go on vacations like that they go on planes trains and automobiles <laughs> to get to where they're going to go it to was, go visit Teresa's family it was incredible too because when they first get there they're in Venice and they're going to go on a cruise ship but they have a day in Venice before they get on the ship and Teresa is like determined to find Chanel which brought us the comedic <laughs> scene of <laughs> Teresa Jacqueline and Caroline running around Venice as Teresa's trying to find Chanel and then Joe and the other men have all the children <laughs> Joe's pushing a stroller and he's like Teresa forget about Chanel's and <laughs> he kept calling it Chanel's Plural. And I was cracking up. And Caroline reading her and being like, do you know where Chanel is? It's in Manhattan. And like, then, it was, it, there was no reason to go and, look for Chanel. And then, then they finally got to Chanel and it was, they were close for lunch. Teresa was like, who takes a lunch break? We don't do that in Jersey. No. So then she goes across the way to this jewelry store and gets this emerald ring and shows it to Joe whenever they finally all catch up with each other. And the first thing he says is, it looks like a growth. <laughs> 
it looked like five ring pops glued together, to be fair to Joe. It was, she was like, at least I got something from Venice. And I was like, that's not the point. You know, she paid a pretty penny for that and she probably shouldn't have. I can't even imagine. What I loved about this trip was we got to see where Teresa's family comes from, the Gorgas, and also Joe's family, where Joe's family comes from, the Judices or Judice, as they say. Mm-hmm. It is so nice to see this tiny village. Joe's mom at a certain point says, this is where we got married. We walked down the aisle this way. It this was, is where I was pregnant with you, yes. that balcony right there. I teared up when I he chills. saw his grandmother. Yeah. Like, it was just, I don't know, it felt so personal. Yeah. And so, like, beautiful and intimate. And I just, I loved it. Big Al with his big-ass camera everywhere. <laughs> like, it was just him and Gabriella and their cute little bond. Yes. It was just so sweet. And I loved it. I loved that trip so much. It brought me a lot of joy. I loved it. I wish the entire season could have been in Italy. I also loved the Melania name reveal and was devastated. Yes. They didn't do the same thing for Adriana. <laughs> Ven- so Venetia. Like- <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, what would the name be? Oh, would, so I, I also love Teresa constantly being like, girls, look at the boat. It's huge. It's bigger than the Titanic. And Jacqueline going, quit comparing it to the Titanic. <laughs> And Joe, another thing too, an underlying tension on this trip besides everything was Joe. Oh, it was just besides a Carolyn trip. wanting to be anywhere but here, anywhere. And Albert, Albert had disassociated the second he stepped foot into in Italy. Albert's one request was that there be no children on the trip, <laughs> and he babysat the children pretty much constantly. I love that. An underlying tension the entire time was Joe was very clearly having financial issues and hiding it from the family and he kind of told Chris when they were on that drunken cruise ship every time they got a bill he you know pitched a fit and it's like you have camera crews with you what did you think they were gonna think you were poor like it's it's not okay that they you know allegedly overcharged them but he was lashing out at Teresa lashing out at everybody yelling at the girls him on that bus was (laughs) sending it was Caroline's reaction to him on that bus so after he they're overcharged on a bill allegedly according to him like they were overcharged or double charged or something he is kind of just going off he's like (laughs) he's complaining about the bill he's like my mouth's so dry i'm gonna swallow my tongue whiskey i don't even drink whiskey looking at the bill and he's like i had a cup of coffee and crappy ham sandwich it was just (laughs) so him raging and caroline is busting a gut because then after he monologues about all of his (laughs) his troubles and sorrows then he's like we've got to be civilized (laughs) holds the bus hostage for probably hours. We only saw a small snippet. People were miserable. Every single person on that bus wanted to be anywhere else. Caroline broke. It was the best thing. Caroline and Jacqueline's father broke. It was so funny. I'm breaking right now. I know. And poor, I mean, you could tell Teresa was just so stressed out. She was over it. Bursting over, but... Incredible trip. Loved it. 20 out of 10. Would love to see more. You know, one interesting thing, another kind of foreshadow moment that happened on the trip where I was like, oh my goodness, you couldn't have known, but it was incredible is at a certain point, this is at one of their dinners, I think at the beginning of the trip and they're all stuffing their faces, like just eating everything in sight. And Caroline goes, they're eating like they're going to jail. And the <gasps> camera lands on Joe. Ooh. And I was just like, oh, <sighs> this is chilling. Because you could have known that then. No. Whew. I mean, we won't give it away because it will be the subject of many a season of Real Housewives of New Jersey. But chilling. Chilling. And what we can say is the season, after we've kind of been hinted at that there are these money struggles, the end title card for Teresa is Teresa and Joe claimed $11 million worth of debt and are filing for bankruptcy. And that's what kind of leads us into the reunion. But we'll talk a little bit more about that 
later. Teresa, who has no budget. Teresa, who bought the ring in Venice that looked like a ring pop growth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, should we talk about Jacqueline? Let's talk about Jacqueline. What a season that girl had. Jacqueline, I, you know, I go on journeys with Jacqueline sometimes. I will say she was my favorite back in the day when I first watched Mm -hmm. this. But then upon rewatches, like, I fluctuate a little bit. But I felt like it was a good season for her. Oh, when she was so much like Teresa, Jacqueline actually before Teresa is pregnant and giving birth while she is filming the show. The first Housewives baby. Oh, the first. The opening scene of the right. sh- of the season. Oh my gosh, my, I have chills thinking about Nicholas. this. Nicholas. Oh, the, again, one of the cutest little babies Those ever. Little cheeks. When she was in labor and a lot of people, again, probably will be me, a lot of people would be crying or freaking out or being scared and she looked and she just goes, I'm so excited. She, and she, oh, I have tears thinking about it. It's She's been waiting. She, for this baby. I was about to say oh. when she looks at him and she's like, "We waited for you for so long." I was oh. like, "Ah!" Oh. I mean, people would be so lucky to have a mom like her. And look, her parenting is called into question a lot in general, but especially this season. But there's something about CJ and something about Chris that I feel like she changed in her parenting ways. I was about maybe to say, that's something that's so fascinating because um, Ashley is what 19 in this season, and Nicholas is just born. And I think, and I've seen this a lot, like, in my life with various people, it's like, you know, the 19-year-old whose parent had them when they were a teen experienced a very different parent than what Nicholas is going to experience. And I think that is fascinating because, you know, I think to the boys, CJ and Nicholas, Jacqueline obviously is in a much more stable place, Mm -hmm. you know, just in her life financially and with support and all of that to be... I'm sure she wished she had had all of that when she, when Ashley was little. Like she's Agree, very vocal yeah. about choices that she made. I do feel a little bad. I know how you feel about Ashley, and we will talk about Ashley. But I feel a little bad anytime Jacqueline is like, I get nervous that she's going to get pregnant because I don't want her to make the same mistakes I did. Because if I'm your child watching that on screen, like I logically I can understand what you're saying, but also what you're kind of saying is. I wish I wouldn't have had you when I did yeah. because it was hard. And I do always feel a little bad and no one's wrong in the situation. Yeah. It's just the truth of it. And, but you know, you can see all sides of it, especially for someone as hypersensitive as Ashley is. Yeah. I mean, I guess we should just talk about Ashley. Cause that was Jacqueline's other than, you know, giving birth to Nicholas and obviously stuff with Danielle, which very much ties into mm-hmm. Ashley. Like Ashley was the biggest storyline for Jacqueline this season. I feel I have such a hard time with Ashley. I'm going to try do. not to be negative Nancy, but I just there was nothing enjoyable about the Ashley storyline and like you were saying she had Jacqueline seemed to have Ashley when she was she wasn't a teenager but she was very young and it was almost like she Gilmore Girls raised her to be her friend and then at a certain point maybe when she got married to Chris even though we know that Ashley her um, biological father is very supportive and a really nice person we later find out but it seems like when Jacqueline married Chris she changed and maybe changed her parenting style or maybe she she realized I can't just be friends with my kid and something between Ashley and her mom Jacqueline never healed and it's just eternal yelling and screaming and as someone who to this day fears her parents (laughs) and would never speak to any of my parents in any way doesn't matter how angry they make me it just grates on me to watch every season her disrespecting her mom her talking down to her mom and her doing whatever she wants because she knows at the end of the day she can move back into the mansion with daddy Chris and Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. And that drove me crazy. So the Ashley season of it all, um, we will get to Danielle. Uh, We're literally teasing her as if she's like the grand finale. She is kind of. of. But Ashley's storyline centered around her feud with Danielle. Allegedly, 
Ashley created like an I hate Danielle Facebook page or something. And before that, she kind of we come into the season and Ashley isn't living at home. You know, she is uh, she's allegedly uh, living with a friend, a.k.a. Quotes. her boyfriend. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of seeing Jacqueline navigate that terrain of still wanting to be a parent to Ashley, but Ashley not being in the home. And, and literally in the first episode, Chris is... Um, it left in the room with Derek, who is Ashley's boyfriend, and literally is sharpening his knife. And I was like, this is so, <laughs> this is so New Jersey housewives. Why do you think they were, okay, I have a theory on this, but What's I want to know yours. Theory? Give okay. it to me. I'm not even going to ask you. I'm going to tell you my housewife's theory. Go. My housewife's theory on a very small thing about why Ashley moving in with this quote unquote friend was rebranded as her moving in with a friend and not her boyfriend is he was 23. And who knows when they started dating? She must have been probably 18. Within the past year. Yeah. So maybe it was a bad look and Jacqueline knew that. I don't really think they're that conservative that it would be a big deal if she moved in with her boyfriend. But maybe it was the circumstances around like her maturity level or the way that it looked. She stormed out of the home and moved in with a boyfriend she wasn't with for a long time. But my theory is it was just like he maybe was too old. Because we kind of – I would be upset if my daughter was with a 20-something-year-old when she was – a teenager who just graduated high school. Yeah, and moved in. Yeah, she can't even rent a car. It did give us the iconic scene of Jacqueline going over and meeting his mother oh. and them getting a little plastered on wine. So good. <laughs> he, he seemed like a nice guy, he I have to nice. say. And he would, at least on camera, seem to always encourage her to, you know, be respectful towards her mother and get along with her mom, which I appreciated. Yeah. And I think that at a certain point, Ashley... You know, she's living with this friend, boyfriend, and then it seems like he's getting more stern with her. Like, you need to grow up. You need to stop having feuds with people and be more respectful to your mom, whatever. And she moves in with all her trash bags, literally, back in to her family home, which is probably like the worst case scenario for her. She would never do this. So I'm like, was he holding her feet to the fire too much? Was she like, this isn't fun anymore. You're too much of an adult. Mm -hmm. I don't really know, but I appreciated him being like a sound voice in her life. At least what we saw on screen. Um, And all of this, at least in terms of Ashley and Jacqueline is kind of leading us to poker night. Um, Of course, later leads us to the posh fashion show, but that happens (laughs) after. Uh, But poker night, all of the guys are having a poker night. Chris Larita, Juicy Joe, Albie, Steve from last season who canoodled with Danielle for oh a brief period in time. Um, and also Derek is coming over and they're kind of initiating him for the first time. And this leads to a moment I know Allison and I both love, but I'll let her say it. For Chris Larita, that is seared into both of our brains. This scene is perhaps the most X-rated scene <laughs> And all of Housewives, more than Tamra and Eddie. This is when Chris Larita walks into a deli with Albie Manzo. Albie doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm including him for you, Xavier. I'll uh, let both Chris and Albie listen. <laughs> you don't discriminate. Add a, add a third and it'll be a party. No, I'm just kidding. They're related. Let's not. <laughs> oh, I forgot they're related. I forgot that for a second, too. <laughs> I had to rewind. So Chris goes into this deli. Um, This is a very simple scene. The girls who know know. He is ordering... Mortadella, Mortadelle, and Provolone. And he's cracking up and he's laughing with Albie. He orders $543 worth of deli meat. That's hot. And already. 85 cents. Excuse me, and 85 cents. Thank you for correcting if me. If you're going to come, come correctly. <laughs> I blast you. She's going to come, all right. And he I- has. A- <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. We will be deleting that. <laughs> no, that's funny. Keep it. <laughs> He orders, he orders this, he has his arms crossed, he has these 
perfect biceps in my memory. I actually don't remember what actually happens to the thing. He throws down a wad I think of he's cash. Wearing a black sweater. <laughs> no, I mean through the sweater. I I can picture it. Sweater biceps. No. Oh no. Sweet, sweet fantasy. Um, so he throws down the wad of like, I want to say like $600. She want to be part of this. He throws a wad of like $600 down on the counter just very casually. And it's just, there's something, you know, it's pretty rare that like masculinity gets me because I think that most of it is pretty toxic and it's just all very like engineered by society. There's something about the way that he ordered that deli meat, the way that he did it with confidence, the way he tried the samples, the way he just had that cash on him. That was so hot. It's it's seared in there. You know it's that, in there. You know what else is seared in there? This is the Thirsty Bitches segment of the podcast. Sorry, y'all. But it's in that same episode at Poker Night, whenever he is trying to like get between Ashley and Jacqueline fighting, and he grabs Ashley's chin and puts his thumb in the center of her <laughs> like. Her mouth is closed. His thumb is in the center of her lips. And he says, shut your mouth. And not in a way that was like wildly aggressive or anything, but it was just like a warning shot. And I was suddenly like, oh, is it hot in here? What is, let me get it. Let me get some more water. Hydration is key. I need to drink some water. Give me a moment. (laughs) She's taking a sip. Gulp, gulp, gulp. Um, I was just like, Chris Larita in this episode is giving it to us. He gave. He, he did what needed to be done. I love having a little thirsty segment when it is needed. I don't know that we've had a really a thirsty segment needed up until this point, uh, this, right? I think this is the first one. Wow, Chris Larita. Chris and Jacqueline really did so many firsts, and I never think yeah. about that. I'm a little hot. I am too. I thought it was 67 here. <laughs> um, one thing that I will say is maybe not attractive and kind of scary about Chris was him showing off his terrifying arsenal safe. Those are the guns that we're trying to take away, not to have a political moment, but there's no reason for anybody to have that many guns. It was weird. Snap me out of it. I made me forget the Mortadell moment. It was very sad. Uh, But yeah, I I didn't love that. I was just like shocked that there were, like I was born and raised in West Virginia, so I'm no stranger to people having guns in their homes. Yeah. But that was, that was like a lot of artillery. I was like, what is happening it was scary and like a giant safe i don't know i don't in the house and there's kids it was just it was upsetting and then like not letting jacqueline see the code to get in that was also weird but anyway that's just a side note anyway moving away from chris because we'll not get anything done if we keep talking about it cut to nobody getting this um but i also love just the sound advice that he would give jacqueline like he just seems like such a genuine person i don't exactly you know, agree with the sentiment, but when he's trying to convince Jacqueline to not talk to Danielle anymore because all she does is bring like bad things into their life and he's like, troubled people cause trouble. And it's, again, I don't completely agree with that as a blanket statement, but I just thought it was really good advice for the moment. I think that's why we love him too because he's so quiet, but you can tell he's really centered and seems like he gives good advice and really cares, even though he... You can never really read it on his face, which just adds to the mystery. And it's kind of, I think, why we're into it. Um, But back to poker night. And, you know, so they're getting the deli meats and all of this for poker night. All the men are in the basement playing poker. And Jacqueline and Teresa are upstairs. And for me, it was the signed Goodfellas poster in the Lorita basement. As they were going, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, could you be any more on brand? On brand. Um, And I loved, so as the men are downstairs... Jacqueline had an extra baby monitor. 
she put it in the basement and her, Teresa, and eventually Ashley are just watching them on the baby monitor, which I thought was incredible. And then Ashley comes and Derek is playing poker and she, the thing that's tough with Ashley and Jacqueline is I think it's also just a personality thing. Um, Jacqueline makes an offhanded comment about how Ashley looked like her grandmother coming in and, you know, to Ashley, I'm sure she flashes to maybe what her grandmother looks like now and seems to be someone who's like a little bigger and and whatnot and Ashley takes it very personally because I think she grew up you know with an extra 15 pounds and people never let her forget it as a lot of us have some of us more than 15 but listen what are you gonna do and so she immediately takes offense to that which I understood like I I understood what she was saying but Jacqueline meant like oh when your grandmother was younger like you favored your grandmother so it's just an example of them as always being on opposite pages and being more than willing to misinterpret the other. I actually disagree with you on this. I think Jacqueline knew exactly what she was doing. And I think that (gasps) I'm going to give, I'm going to give Ashley credit here for a second. I think that Ashley is gaslit more than we realize with Jacqueline because Jacqueline and Ashley are first and foremost friends. You forget that because all we see is them fighting and her trying to be a good parent and all that and saying, don't disrespect me, whatever. There's a friendship there that I think we don't see a lot of on camera because it makes her maybe look like a bad mom given all the times she lectures her on camera. There's an example of that. I feel like literally in this season when it comes to Chris and Jacqueline talking down to Ashley about posting the unbelievable statement. Oh, yes. Ashley's like, you were laughing about that. And I believe that was true. I do, too. I think she knew that her mom was like saying kind of a dig at her. And it does. And I, I think that. She probably was like, it's fine, whatever. She should know how to take a joke. But if Ashley's in a sensitive place, if it has to do with weight or whatever, it's just not cool. And it's just, I felt bad for Ashley. That takes a lot for me to say. It's a very difficult thing for me to say. But there were a couple times I felt bad for Ashley because I think Jacqueline did make her look like the bad guy on camera to save face. And yeah, I didn't think about that. That makes me sad. So I'm going to choose, I'm going to pretend like it's not true. Uh, (laughs) No, no, it's a good point. And this leads Ashley to running downstairs and kind of getting away from her mom. And then of course, Jacqueline and Teresa plant themselves in the corner of that room with all the men doing poker. I thought that was maybe, she was like, if Ashley's going to be down here, I'm going to be down here. Because why else would she be hanging down in there? Because it seems like a very, like a separate, separate activities. And then... At one point, Chris is like, okay, what's going on? And Ashley's like, mom's annoying. And it starts Ashley and Jacqueline kind of on a back and forth. And Ashley says, you're such a 12-year-old. And Jacqueline, for me, it was Jacqueline. Okay, so Ashley's looking over her shoulder. And she says to her mom, you're such a 12-year-old. And Jacqueline (laughs) has a piece of food in her hand. And she glares at her, take, shoves the food in her <laughs> mouth, and then gets up to her feet and kicks Ashley out of the house. It was the it was the stare and shoving, like making the conscious decision. I need this piece of bread out of my hand. Yes. I'm gonna shove it in my mouth and kick her out. She's still gonna get that bite, but she's gonna drag her ass out of the house in front of everyone. In front of oh my gosh, that made me She deserved it. But that made me so uncomfortable because you know when you were younger and you were at like this never didn't happen with friends as much, but like you were at like your second cousin's house yes. so like in the family but a little extended yes and you just happen to be there when stuff hits the fan we've oh, all shit. been there yep. and it just makes you like like the room stands a little still totally. you this you don't want to be it felt like that to me like if i had been in that room i would have been like i don't want to be in this that i shouldn't be here like it felt like very that agree but i yeah ashley is disrespectful to her mother in a way that you and I have never been to our mothers I can say for certain so I understood all the emotions um I what made me feel bad is 
well, when Ashley gets upstairs, she's like, 15 minutes, that's a record here. Uh, and Ashley leaves her boyfriend in the basement. But what made me feel about it is when she left and CJ was on the railing upstairs and on the landing. And she says, bye, CJ, love you. That made me a little sad. Because then later, Jacqueline asked CJ, she was like, you hate when Ashley and I fight. And he's like, yeah, because CJ's just like a little, just, sweet baby uh, just boy. so sweet, just trying to live his life. Um, so yeah. Carbon Jack- copy of Chris. Jacqueline and Ashley... They, they keep giving what they give. And, you know, obviously there's more to the Ashley and Jacqueline story, but I think we should jump into Danielle first. And then we'll talk about the posh fashion show and everything that follows that. Let's talk about Danielle. Danielle. So what did you think about Danielle this season? I think that the obvious answer would be to say I did not like her. I think that's boring. Something to just understood. <laughs> I okay. I have a question. You liked her? Wait. No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> I did not like Danielle. I do think it's boring to harp on that because she is so obviously so unlikable. But she's to so incredible many. television, and people love her. Her fans love her. Danielle's fan base. I'm not saying that the general public. She's a very strong fan base. I feel like stronger than a lot of other unlikable housewives. Well, Why do you think I th- that is? Well, I think it's easier for two people to be really strong in their convictions versus millions, you know? <laughs> so if her fan base of two is really strong, like it's read. easy for it's easy for them to really band together no. and kind of, you know, stick it to you. But when you have millions of fans, that is a little harder. So I do understand what you're saying in that. Um but <laughs> I, no <laughs> That's what I get for answering your question with a question. I didn't care for her. <laughs> I felt bad for her, then I hated her. She has more than two fans. She, she is, is super polarizing and Excellent television. So I do understand those people who love to go against the grain, who are like, we are Danielle stands. You know, like, I get that. Yeah. For me, I the thing that's tough with Danielle is that sometimes it's uncomfortable. I've said this before. It's just uncomfortable to watch her. Like, the way she... Like in the opener when she's talking about, she's like, it says in the Bible, God can't help you unless you ask. I want to pray for everybody, especially those who have done me grave wrong. But what they've done to me, they're going to need all the prayers they can get. Like the thing with her is I really think she drinks her own Kool-Aid, like to a degree that makes it very real to her. She's never wrong. And that's what's concerning sometimes. It's not enjoyable because she doesn't ever own up to anything. She is always, always, always the victim. And, you know, another, let's say, kind of victim-y housewife we just talked about, they're very different, but Jill Zarin is always sort of, you're doing me wrong. So something is right. Yeah. No, but I'm saying that Jill will always own up to something after she's like, what do you mean? I didn't do anything wrong. What are you talking about? She always has a moment of clarity. Danielle has no moments of clarity. She, even in her moments where she's apologizing, she's always getting digs in about you were wrong. You know, it's, it's hard to watch. I felt so bad for her girls. I think that the fact that Bravo still wants wanted her for the views and allowed her to bring on so many friends to film with because nobody would feel that's when you cut someone loose I don't really know if it was worth the viewers all of the nastiness that went on because to me the storylines with the other women and how they treated Danielle Danielle did a lot of things it's very obvious she's not a great person to the women but how they treated her how everyone the bullied the her woman. the <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Um, so you know how to say women now? Yes, woman. That was the best. Danielle not She's saying like, women yes, correctly. Yes, woman. <laughs> that was great. I just think that 
the way that the women bullied her is the worst, worst, worst part of Housewives. There was nothing funny about it, nothing constructive about it. There was a scene where the women um, on the other side of Danielle, so all the other Housewives, are going to a family-friendly pumpkin patch, and they point to a pig, and they're like, look, it's Danielle, it's Danielle. And there's just calling her like skanky, whore, nasty, slut, whatever. They're slut-shaming her the whole time. These ladies are not afraid to call each other a name. No, and so I I think that to give Danielle another side – I think that she was a little bit ahead of her time with the sex positivity thing. I do think that it is completely eclipsed by the fact that she is a liar, that she is clearly not well. She's delusional. All the stuff that she seems to put her kids through on the show and just always putting herself in the center of trouble. Andy said it perfectly because there's so many things that you can call her, but he's like, do you consider yourself a troublemaker in the reunion? And that's a really good way of describing her. Very rudimentary, but true way of describing her. A true, true troublemaker. It's so interesting because I think, and I'm trying to like figure out how I feel about this. It's so interesting because to me, I didn't feel like the other women were bullying her because I felt like she, so for instance, I think they all slut shame each other. (laughs) Like that's that. Danielle gives as good as she gets for the most part, other than obviously the revenge porn. Like that is a separate thing that absolutely shouldn't like Danielle. I felt really bad for her that that was happening. That's unacceptable. But in terms of like them calling each other whores or sluts, like they all do that. Danielle included. And my thing, cause like when I look at someone like, we talked about last season of New York, like Luann was constantly slut shamed and she would just take it. Whereas, and she didn't necessarily do anything to, invite that in I don't feel whereas Danielle I feel like she bullies them as much as they give it to her I feel like they are all just bullying each other what makes it and what you're probably picking up on is the fact the numbers thing simply that there's more on one side than the other but like Caroline for example never really wanted to be a part of it didn't want to be involved Dina was gone by the time of like the posh fashion show stuff so it was really Jacqueline and Teresa so to me it didn't feel like bullying as much as it felt like just a toxic situation. It was just bad all around. I think I said to you too, I didn't like this season when I first watched it, I was messaging you. I didn't like this season because it was just so one-sided. Like why was Danielle even brought back? Why couldn't it just been the other women? And you were like, what would the season have been, Allison? I, exactly. I remember you saying, I think in a voice message to me when you first watched this season, you said, Danielle isn't even a good villain anymore. Ashley's a better villain than, than Danielle. <laughs> Don't remember saying that, but love that comment. And I agree, she's not. Because she's just so, like, because her instinct is to immediately become a victim instead of, like, truly fighting someone. Or at least truly calling people out on her BS. Like, Danielle predicted a lot of things with the Judices. She called out a lot of women for a lot of things. There were so many ways she could have been such a good villain like a lot of villains we know on modern day housewives but everything always had to come back to everyone is against me everyone is attacking me everyone and it was just difficult to kill me like, yeah that was sad it, it was yeah. it was unsettling so danielle's story other than you know the issues that we'll talk about in a minute with the women um the season surrounded like her supporting her children in terms of like christine and her modeling as well as jillian and her singing and songwriting and also later in the season we saw danielle kind of on the hunt for her birth mother. We don't really get an answer to that this season. And I can't remember if we do years later or not, but there isn't resolution with that this season. So that's what she was kind of dealing with personally, but her story largely dealt with Ashley and the other women. And I know you're ready to talk about her and Ashley. So lead us up to the posh fashion show. Leading up to the posh fashion show, there was so much bad blood between Jacqueline's daughter, Ashley, who we just talked about and Danielle. 
Ashley had created an I hate Danielle Facebook page, allegedly. And honestly, it seemed like Ashley was in the middle of like this big hate campaign against Danielle online. Now, to be clear, Danielle was giving it right back to all the women and to Ashley, allegedly fat shaming her and calling her a lot of different things. There was some allegations that she was liking tweets that were alluding to Ashley taking her own life. That was tough. That, they they yeah. talked about that at the reunion and it was, that was, yeah. It's just so upsetting because Danielle is a grown, grown, grown woman. And like, sure, Ashley is an adult, but Ashley is still a teenager. So to know the energy that was coming Ashley's way, even though Ashley, listen, we all know Ashley can be a lot, but it felt like, oh, you would hope that in a scenario like this, that Danielle, the one in her 40s, could rise above. But Danielle just, that's not what Danielle's going to do. <laughs> I think that Chris Samuels from a future season of Potomac said it perfectly. Hurt people, hurt people, get some help. And I think that they're both hurt and they just were spending the entire season attacking each other online. Tensions were brewing and Ashley was like, I don't care, I'll fight her. And Danielle is like, that girl needs to be careful. There was just a lot of threats. I actually thought Ashley made a good point too at one point she looks to Jacqueline and she's asking her like, do you feel like this animosity from Danielle is coming at me and I'm stuck in this because of how she feels about you? Like Ashley kind of gets caught in the Jacqueline, Danielle, Teresa firestorm a little bit, which I thought was a good point. I think because Jacqueline isn't going to give it to back to Danielle for the most part, as we saw, like Ashley would. So Ashley's someone that she can gauge with and is a way, as Caroline points out later, to like get at the ladies without directly getting at them, you know? I agree with the second part of that. I don't think that the reason she's engaging with her is because of the Jacqueline thing. I think that was Ashley just trying to get out of bad behavior and being like, I'm doing it for our family. I'm defending our family. That it is a different thing to me. Like that, yes, her being like, I heard that she hit my mom girl now like you did not hear that what I'm saying is there's a point where she like drops in and she's like do you feel like Danielle constantly comes at me because she has so many unresolved issues with you mom and I think that is that to me feels true I think that Ashley was digging at her and I'm sure a part of that oh, is Ashley true was game <laughs> I just think that they both badly wanted a fight and Ashley was in such a bad place this season. She didn't seem to be, at least on camera, going anywhere with her life, in and out of the house, fighting with her mom. Danielle was in the middle of, I don't know, trying to figure out what she was going to do with her life, trying to get her daughter's careers off um, and running. And the women didn't want to film with her. She was rejected by pretty much everyone, which she loves to remind everybody all she is is rejected. She's been rejected her whole life. Insert the Kim. I know. <laughs> So leading up to the posh fashion show, Kim D, who is this local fashion store owner, whatever. It looks like a strip mall fashion store, God bless, where you'd like get your leggings for full price. <laughs> they film there so much. So too. much. That's probably why. They because she was like, you can move in here if you want. But Kim D is uh, unfortunately a fixture moving forward in the show. But she is old friends with Danielle. And she also is casual friends with Jacqueline and some of the other ladies as well. Even Teresa at one some point. One thing to know is that Kim D and Kim G were the producer solution to a cast problem. That's true. Like we said, okay, I'm making a bold statement. I'm making a bold statement, but you couldn't have had the season without the Kims. And I say that begrudgingly. <laughs> I it say hurts, that, but you're right. I say that begrudgingly, but they really helped facilitate moving story forward because none of our the main wives were filming with Danielle but they all were filming with the Kims yes so like that is how I think production was able to like keep the flow of story going so 
Ali mentioned who Kim D was a little bit. So there was also Kim G. And Kim G was, you know, friends with the ladies in various capacities. She was Jacqueline's neighbor. Her son and uh, Caroline's son, Christopher, were best friends growing up. And she has this newfound friendship with Danielle. So Kim G, the reason I say begrudgingly earlier is because like Kim G is so thirsty for the spotlight. It is unbearable to watch at times, but she does help keep the story moving. So I get it. So before the posh fashion show stuff happens, there is the event at the Brownstone, the charity, where we meet Danielle and Kim G escorts, also escorts Danielle to this event. So there's this charity that is happening at the Brownstone. Um, for a young uh, baby, I believe, with cancer. And the family wants Danielle to present the check. First of all, Caroline was a little insulted because she also knows this family, I guess. And they weren't asked to present the check. So she was like, they're no friends of ours. And so it was just like... And the event was at the Brownstone. I'm I'm assuming it was pro bono. Yeah, Yeah. so I, I don't really know. I don't know why they wanted Danielle, but they did. So Danielle realizing that she's going to the Brownstone, the second home of the Manzos, brings an entourage. And here we meet Danny. She feels connected to Danny because they have both been arrested and he's still on parole. And you have that moment that cracked me up where he's like, in six days I can drink, so I'm not going to ruin anything before then. And Kim G's like, oh, why can't you drink? <laughs> Get with the times, Kim G. Really? <laughs> this is so, that just tells you this is so not Kim G's world. No. She shouldn't be here. So they go to the Brownstone for this event, and you already know that drama is going to happen. Albert has prepped Christopher, who was working. They're both working the event. Christopher's working the door, saying that, like, you know, Danielle is coming here as a guest. She's welcome to come here as a guest. We will treat her as a guest. But, like, be prepared because you know who we're dealing with. Yeah. And they roll up, and Danielle has brought her entourage, which includes Kim G, Danny, and Hell's Angels, question mark? I was just weirdly doing research into the Hells Angels for something else. <laughs> and I love her bragging for something for work. I loved that she was bragging that one of the head of the Hells Angels was on her side. I'm like, I don't know if that's always been a good thing. So I might not brag about that. And her friend Danny Provenzano came to the event ready to fight. I mean, he was amped up. It was like he did push-ups in the parking lot. I mean, Ashley heard that he was a part of the mob and then he smashed some guy's hand with a hammer. Like, <laughs> you know, Danny is an interesting character. And Danielle, I feel like sometimes just wants to feel hard. Yeah. Like she wants to feel like she cannot be played with or messed with. And Danny to her and Hell's Angels were the way for her to be feel like she has like an entourage, as she said. And men around her, which she's not used to. And yeah. So when they first get there, she makes a point to go up to Christopher and like say hello, like thanks for having me or whatever she says, the less polite version of that. And in her talking head, she said, I wanted to shake his hand basically as a psychological F you. I'm walking in the door at your second home, your business. It felt good. And I'm like, Danielle, seek treatment. Right. And like, Chris is the like, nicest guy ever. So nice. And and I felt bad too because he was clearly like, poor even Christopher was out of his league because when Kim G comes up to say hi, he says hi. And, you know, he, he sees that she's really dressed up and he knows that the crowd inside, like it's not at that formal of an event. So he says to her innocently, he was like, oh, you're in for a big surprise in there, referring to her how she's dressed. And Kim G, of course, runs to Danielle and says, well, Chris, Christopher said we're in for a big surprise in here. And of course, Danielle, being who she is, takes that and runs with it. And basically what happens is there isn't enough seating for all of the people that Danielle has brought to the event. And that 
you know, the brownstones given a seating chart by the people who are hosting the event. So like, basically it was a communication issue. No one communicated, AKA Danielle did not communicate that she would be bringing all of these plus ones. Who did not pay anything or donate to the charity event at all. And something that drove me wild was Danielle and her confessional talking about Christopher being like, um, oh, interesting, a big surprise inside waiting for me. And he was very sadistic when he said, oh, it's a big surprise. You'll see. And I'm like, excuse me, he didn't even say it to you. No. How, and I'm certain sadistic. Kim G did not say that he was sadistic. No. Like, what are you doing? So basically they get in there. There aren't enough tables for them. They're causing a commotion. Danielle feels slighted. She's making a big deal. Danny is also making a big deal. It's all growing very uncomfortable. Mind you, we are at a charity for a baby with cancer. Yes. We are at a charity event for a child with cancer. Like, let that sink in. We are here to donate money, to raise money for a cause. Support the family. Support the family, to get the word out. Like, that's what we're here to do. We're not here. So even if you're a little bit uncomfortable with something, as an adult, like you or I, you just roll with it. Yes. For a charity, you know? You pick a seat and you sit down. You don't look at your friend Danny, who is on parole, and say, what's the consensus? And have Danny say, we're going to make some noise. So you tell me what you want us to do. And Danielle's like, as long as the family that I'm here for doesn't get hurt, I'm fine with that. And I'm like, Danielle, and something that bothers me is I feel like she accuses other people you know this is a big thing for me i'm realizing this is a big thing for me as we do these podcast episodes is accusing people of doing something that you do yourself yes so she's accusing people of sliding her or of doing this and of doing that and that's because she's building up this narrative so therefore she does it to other people you know like she causes the ruckus and that just bothers me and of course you have the moment after they're being were they asked to leave i think they were asked to leave because or they basically said they couldn't accommodate them and so I think they were asked to leave because they were causing a scene and there wasn't any seating for them Mm -hmm. if I'm remembering correctly but it wasn't get out you're not welcome here it was like a kind get out and also that which is shocking because the her whole entourage was like amped up and cursing and talking about messing people up yes the gay slur and Danielle didn't bat an eye the big f word moment was Christopher was, I guess, escorting them out or maybe taking them out somehow. There was something about Christopher dealing with specifically Danny and Danielle. And Danny is talking about Christopher and calls him the F word, a slur. And Danielle doesn't even say anything. You know, it's it's almost as if that Juicy Joe moment from season one never happened with the dance instructor when he made, you know, that comment using another gay slur and she very much defended the community was like I am an ally I am an advocate where were you in this moment and the worst part was she doubles down on this and she says well he didn't call a gay person that Mm -hmm. and I can't take responsibility it did lead to a hilarious moment later between Kim G and Danielle where Kim G finally like she doesn't say anything in the moment and I will give give Kim G some grace here in that like it was a very intense situation it was probably really uncomfortable because she doesn't know these men who are like very intensely saying these things and she communicates with Danielle that she has a problem with the things that Danny said and then later she goes Kim G says to Danielle did you talk to him and Danielle goes of course I did I'm a gay advocate (laughs) it was hysterical she yelled at her like the way I said it quietly so that I don't like burst your eardrums, but her screaming, I'm a gay advocate. It was camp. It oh, was camp. It was camp. It's a sound bite. Um, so all of that happened and it's just 
adding to the animosity between these families yes. that leads us to the posh fashion show. Yes. In the background, the Ashley stuff is still happening, maybe even more so after everything that happened at the Brownstone because Danielle started bad-mouthing the Manzos even more and the Brownstone. And Ashley was like, I need to protect my family. She wanted her moment. And she was gunning for Danielle and Danielle was gunning for her. And let's not forget also, and this is just part of Danielle creating like the intensifying everything when she's talking about Ashley creating a hate site and she's like it's nothing short of the KKK to her and I was just like oh my goodness I cannot deal with Danielle at moments like this so the posh fashion show so what happened was (laughs) is all this animosity is brewing and Danielle discovered that Teresa and Jacqueline were going to be at Kim D's fashion show. So she decides that she, she was like, that's an issue. She's like, why is Kim D fraternizing with the enemy? And she goes to Kim D's store posh and walks into the door. And the woman who's working the desk is on the phone. She like puts up her finger to be like one second. And then Danielle felt so disrespected by that and like made a scene and goes outside and gets on the phone and then comes back in. And she's like, uh, excuse me, tell Kim D to call me. And like, it was just really (laughs) rude. And ultimately Kim D and Danielle chat and Danielle's upset that Kim D is talking to the other side. She just wanted to yell at her. Exactly. So Kim D, I think retaliates. Loved that. To this exchange. Yes. By inviting Ashley to be in the fashion show. So then we get to the posh fashion show. Danielle is coming with Kim G and she is seated at her table And right across the way is Kim D's table. And they notice that at Kim D's table is Teresa and Jacqueline. And this immediately puts Danielle in a bad mood. She's like, oh, that is a very clear message. And Kim G's like, it's okay. We're at an event. Like, it's fine. And then at a certain point, people are clapping for the show. And Danielle's like, I will not clap. And when Ashley's on the stage, she calls her a coke whore. And it's just like really bad blood Immediately. So once the show happens and Ashley is sitting and, you know, Ashley is going to give her little jabs, too. When she's on the runway, she looks toward Danielle. Mm-hmm. When she's sitting at her mom's table, at, she's like doing a little wave the across chin. the way yes. to Danielle. And Danielle goes, somebody please tell me that that stalker Ashley is not looking at me still. <laughs> and it's just escalating. So Danielle and Kim G go to the restroom and Teresa decides that she needs to say hi to Danielle. Teresa, you out here stirring this pot. Acting like with Kyle a, Richards producing with, this. Oh, <laughs> with a big old spoon. Yes. Teresa's like, I'm going to show you that I'm a legend, honey. If the table flip wasn't enough, I can also be a producer. I wonder for a second if a producer asked Teresa to go do that because there was no interaction. And that might be the case. But I think that the way that Teresa had this smile plastered on her face, waiting outside of the bathroom, knowing that Danielle was scared of the group, saying, oh, the group wants to kill me. I'm scared. They hate me. They want only the worst for me. You know, Teresa was enjoying having that power over her, which really isn't nice, to be honest. But it was... It was such funny television. It gave us some incredible lines. So Danielle and Kim G come out of the bathroom and Jacqueline and Teresa are sitting outside waiting so that Teresa can say hi. And they're talking and it's already going left. Teresa's like, you know, I'm a nice girl. And Danielle's like, I don't know that to be true or whatever. (laughs) And, you know, they're talking and Teresa at one point says, no, honey. And Danielle says, don't call me honey. And Teresa says, 
I don't want to call you honey because you're an old hag. So I don't want to call you honey bitch. Is that better? Is bitch better? <laughs> to which Danielle says. That's a fuck enough. <laughs> And then she starts screaming, saying, you want to attack me? And it you just know, like, it's about to go left. Which brings me one of my favorite moments where Teresa is kind of like wagging her head and her finger talking very emphatically to Danielle. And Danielle's like, what's that ghetto thing you're doing? And Teresa jumps to her feet and says one of my favorite lines. Also, A plus to the camera crew for somehow wedging themselves as people were moving between Kim G and Danielle from behind to get Teresa's face as she says, don't forget, girlfriend, I'm from Patterson. Did you forget? Did you forget? Oh my, I'm from Patterson. <laughs> Patterson Teresa is here. <laughs> I loved it so much. I see that too. I wait for all the. Did you forget? forget? It's so good because it's like she's proud of where she's from. She's like, I will. And she, she's letting you know that I can go there. And it's so fun to see Patterson Teresa because later, like that sentiment is really Patterson Dolores, but Dolores isn't in the mix yet. But yeah, so it was fun to see that. And then, you know. Danielle throws a jab about Teresa's home being in foreclosure and we're starting to get the little nuggets of something going amiss there. And then this gets Jacqueline to her feet being like her house isn't in foreclosure. And then we're off. Kim G tries to push Teresa into a chair and Teresa jumps up and pushes Kim G back. Don't touch Teresa, baby. It was just, and suddenly we are running through the country club. And something that cracked me up is Danielle is trying to get away because there's a whole bunch of people in the country club and it's all super crowded and she has a bodyguard with her and it's a whole thing. And stoically walking behind her, walking, walking, and yet somehow keeping pace with Teresa, who is running, is Jacqueline saying, I read your court records, Danielle. (laughs) I know what you did. It's just, okay, I, again, I think that, I have an opinion on Danielle with all of this. I think that... It was probably scary for her. I ju- it's sounding like I like her, but there is something really comedic about an entire group of people. It's like a French film. Everyone following one single person out. And she's just like... Her running and looking over her shoulder with her broken heels. Yes. The cinema. Like I want to give the entire camera crew like an Emmy because they got it all. You know what? I'm really glad you called out the camera crew because I took mm-hmm. them for granted. I was like, yeah, they got the shots. But no, they the got sh- the they shots. They got the shots. They like, did. That shot of Danielle running and we're on Danielle's backs and she looks over her right shoulder it was just like cinema it was cinema I was like are there I was like is there tape on the ground did we block this (laughs) (laughs) so Danielle is outside the women are kind of like outside almost rabid like where is she where is she and then people are lying about where she went because people are legitimately worried for Danielle at this point and Danielle is weeping in the corner on the side of the building absolutely going into panic mode whether it was partial theater and partial true it doesn't matter this person did feel legitimately threatened because the like this is maybe not nice to say but because the realities that Danielle creates in her head I feel like are so intense and they were proving them to be true in this moment so it was like those genuine fears meeting the slight histrionics like all coming in together I feel I think I'm glad you brought that up. Is that fair? No, it is. I have a... a So basically what happens next is the bodyguard, she's like, I can't move. I can't feel my legs. She just... Her heels are broken. Her heels are broken because she's been running so hard. So she asked the bodyguard to carry her or to escort her back to the car. She just wants to go home. She's saying, I just want to go home. Now, Miss Ashley, she's realizing Miss Mama... 
Jacqueline has been getting all the attention at this point. And she said, I'm not not going to get my little spotlight Stop moment. It. So she steps out and she's like, love it right, bitch. She's just, it's honestly like a bad One Tree Hill scene. I hated she all says that. that after. Okay, so what she does is she realizes Danielle's going to get away. She's not going to have her Danielle moment. So she reaches her little arm out, grabs a fistful of Danielle's extensions, and gives it a tug and not a little charade tug, a true tug. Like she pulls on she her She didn't want to shift it a little. No, she didn't want to shift it a little. <laughs> and we do not condone violence. No, and, it's messed and up. And Ashley came out of nowhere. Like Ashley wasn't in it. No. Ashley was not in it. She fought and for her spot on that camera. This is what bothers me because I will say like I was raised to like you never start a fight but finish one. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like if you're in it, like you're in it. Yep. And we'll, become, we'll come to later seasons where there are physical altercations where there's more nuance to it. But this one, there was some like Ashley had no business pulling Danielle's hair like that. She was not in the mix. Danielle, like, it was over, kind of. And it was just, she wasn't even in the fight at that point, you know? It's, she wanted her spotlight. Oh, and she got it. So Danielle was so terrified. She goes back to the car. She's talking about how much hair they've pulled out of her head. And she's in pain. So she calls the cops. And she's like, I would like to report an assault, etc." This is my thought about it, Danielle and all the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and, it, and also, like... At various points, Teresa and Jacqueline are going to the car, which gives you one of my favorite moments when Teresa's going toward it. And Driver Harry, who I love and want more of, um, is like, uh, is looking at Teresa and he's kind of like walking backwards. And he's like, you know, you're like a gazelle. You're fast. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, now you're going toward the Bentley. Like, we don't need you messing that up. And she's like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. (laughs) It was just so funny. And I also loved as... Danielle was on this 911 phone call. Jacqueline is just standing outside of the car, like, still as a statue like her hands like it, she was just ready like yeah. she was just like I'm right here I she looked like, kind of like a boss yeah. I will give her that yeah she I mean the issue here is this whole scene is a self-fulfilling prophecy that Danielle created for herself. Mm. I think that in the same way that certain people have issues with commitment, they kind of sabotage themselves because they're like, I'm going to mess this up anyway. I think that there's somewhere in Danielle this season and pretty much always in general where she feels like people are going to hate her and think the worst of her. So why not do the worst, most annoying thing to nag at people, nag at people, pick at people. So when that thing comes true, you can say, see, I told you they were going to do all these things to me. I am the victim. In this case, she literally was because she was physically assaulted by Ashley. But it was also like when it happened, even watching this again, I was like, you did exactly what she wanted you to do. Teresa flipping that. It's exactly what she wanted you to do. They played into her hand and... This results in her pressing charges against Ashley for the assault. And that kind of leads us into the second half of our season. So the police come. They all give statements. Ashley says, you know, I pulled her extensions. I didn't technically pull her hair. So it wasn't a part of her. Like, And they all go home. And both Jacqueline and Caroline, they're all disappointed that Ashley gave, kind of like what Ali was just saying, gave Danielle this. And... This leads to the big sit down of the season, which is Caroline and Danielle. So leading up to this big sit down dinner, the season finale of season two of Real Housewives of New Jersey, Danielle has decided to move forward with pressing charges against Ashley, rightfully so, uh, because Danielle says when she was younger, she also got in some legal trouble doing kind of similar things worse, but similar things in terms of like assault. And she really needed to learn her lesson by serving time, getting charged, whatever it was. She wanted Ashley to learn the same lesson. I'm sure part of that was true, but I'm sure it was also just revenge. 
the Manzos and the Loritas, they know that what Ashley did was wrong, but they're so desperate to get this off of her record because they know she's a young girl and this could redefine so much for her. And also tensions are at an all-time high. So they decide to send the head of the family, Miss Caroline Manzo, the Don, some might say, to have a big formal sit down with Danielle at a restaurant. And it really like when people say they miss those big housewives moments of two huge housewives sitting down one-on-one and having it out, they're referring to moments like this with Caroline and Danielle. Absolutely. Caroline has been avoiding Danielle all season, has famously said she's like parsley. She's everywhere. And it (laughs) just doesn't want anything to do with her, but she's willing to do this for Ashley and for the family. And they sit down and they're, kind of explaining each other's sides. And as you would guess, it all goes left. And Danielle has really no intentions of letting this die. And it, they start to argue. And Caroline is like, you know what you are? You're a clown. Your whole life is a joke. And when I called you garbage, I meant that you were garbage. And Yikes. it was iconic. Oh. It was incredible. And Danielle says her piece. Like yes. her big thing was last season. And it was she was like, I let her call me garbage. And I felt like that just happened. But this season, no. So like the minute Caroline calls her garbage again, Danielle gets up and leaves. And you get the sense that like Danielle isn't, necessarily going to take it easy on Ashley but it's all going to be okay and that's kind of how we we leave season two until we get to the reunion I was hoping naively as someone who has already seen this season of the show I was like I think the reunion is just a lot of theatrics and not much happens and this was kind of the I I blacked out I repressed (laughs) a lot of what happened in this reunion and first of all Mr. I, Andy Cohen, you failed. A big fat <laughs> F on this reunion. Andy was living. Andy was living, but as a fan. And I was like, you need to take control of the situation because it was everybody shouting at Danielle at once. Yes. People can say their piece, but it's not. It was not, the Kelly Ben Simone fact ex- right before, you know? Exactly correct. But he actually took time to be like, no, let Kelly talk. I feel like he almost never did that with Danielle. Maybe it's because he didn't like Danielle. I don't know what it was. Or maybe because he knew it was going to be such good television and they needed the ratings. But I was so annoyed I was like even Caroline who I love I was like shut up and let Danielle talk we all know whatever she's gonna say is gonna get her into trouble you'll be able to make your point everybody will be able to get you know a punch in like it's we know this a verbal punch in um one thing that did annoy me a little bit this is such a small thing but I thought Jacqueline should have been sitting next to Andy instead of Teresa I was surprised it was Teresa obviously the context of the reunion like it makes sense why Teresa was there but based off the season I was like Jacqueline should have had first seat but talk about a big thing being set up for the seasons to follow which a good reunion does which they're talking about how Danielle didn't acknowledge Nicholas or Adriana but like the important one was Nicholas because she had a close relationship with Jacqueline to which Danielle looks at Teresa and says did you acknowledge your nephew did you and you can see and Teresa goes yes of course I did and then you see it on her face that this is about to be a lot more than what it is and she jumps up and gets in Danielle's face hovering over her and says do not bring up my family, you effing bitch. And she throws pillows at her and she calls her a pig. And this is important to mention now because it's going to set us up for quite literally years to come. It is a scene that is talked about to this day on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. It never goes away. It is seared into all of our brains. And notice that at a certain point, Teresa says, I want to know who the F she's talking to. She knew because Teresa smelled blood in the water. She knew something was happening. Mm -hmm. She lunged at Danielle. It actually looked like she was going to physically beat her up. She was so close to her face. So 
and she, Danielle's like, that's it. I'm getting up. I'm going because Danielle rightfully so was like, I'm about to get the shit beaten out of me. So Teresa goes after Danielle. Andy Cohen, <laughs> sweet Andy Cohen, <laughs> tries to stop her without even flinching. Athletic ease. Athletic ease. Teresa WWE slams him into the chair and walks right past him. It's and Andy incredible. is shocked. Andy is shocked. He's like, oh, wow, I was shocked, honey. Nini. Literally, that is what happened. It was, it was, it was, every time I watch it, it's shocking. And she's shouting. She's making all these like guttural noises. Everyone's in shock because everyone knows what she's talking about. This is not something we're going to talk about until next season, but everybody knows. And we'll touch on it later. We'll touch on it but later. But all that to say, this reunion was incredible. It was tough because they were all in such a bad place, <laughs> uh, including the Danielle Caroline handshake, which oh. hysterical. Uh, they're all just trying to make up. And and Danielle hugs Teresa and hugs Jacqueline, but knows better and gives Caroline a handshake that she almost doesn't take. Um, but this reunion, A++. Danielle bringing in beaded extensions to do a live demonstration of actually pulling pull. her hair. All of which is super ironic given what happens about a decade later. I'll leave that there. Certainly is. Okay, it's time for underrated moments. What is your first underrated moment? Okay, my first one is a Jacqueline moment. Okay. Okay, so it is Jacqueline talking with Kim G, annoyed that Kim G is buddying up to Danielle as she's pressing charges against Ashley. And she says, you gather two of your girlfriends arm in arm like a busted up sex in the city <laughs> going to the courthouse and supported Danielle. <laughs> So it's good. one of my it's one of my favorite lines of the season. It is really good. It stands the test of time. And she was so proud she said it. I'm gonna get busted up sex in the city tattooed on my ass. Yeah, you should. <laughs> should get t-shirts with that front cover. What's yours? Uh my first one is um Shortly after Joe's DUI, when Jacqueline and Chris are with Teresa and Joe drinking, talking about how Joe wasn't drinking at the dinner that he left and then got a DUI at, famously acting like he hit something and then decided to take shots to take the edge off of the crash. And that's why he got arrested for DUI. Um, Chris was trying to like express that he was not happy with him. And he was like, you know, something could have happened. Someone could have been in the car. You could have died. And then Joe goes, yeah, an angel was looking over me. Anyway. <laughs> I knew you were going to say I that one. Just, I love it so much. <laughs> I also have a Joe one. So mine is <laughs> when Joe takes Gia, Gabriella, and Melania to practice. And they're doing taekwondo or jujitsu or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And he's setting Gia up to fight. And Melania and Gabriella are fighting against Gia. <laughs> and Gabriella puts her hands up and then puts them down and goes, no, I want to go out to eat. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Relatable. I love me that. Me as a child. Me as an adult. I love and then Gabriella. Joe said, she really shined for me she this did. season. She was cracking me up. And then Joe says, we're going to go eat after you fight. Come on. And then she puts her little hands back up. <laughs> and then talking to them again, he's like, if you beat her up, I'll buy you a nice hot dogs. Plural. <laughs> I'll buy you a nice hot dogs. And Gabriella, not even fighting. It is Melania and Gia fighting at this point, says, yay, hot dogs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Such a good moment. Speaking of food. One of my favorite next moments is Danielle, actually. And it is when she finds out that the women are in Italy and she can go to, I think it's called the Garden Club. <laughs> and she's supposed to go to a restaurant and she says over and over again, like she's being sponsored by Big Panini. She goes, <laughs> I can't wait to get Panini. 
I'm so excited for panini. Oh, I can't wait. I've really wanted a panini. <laughs> and it's like, what? It, it wasn't even, I don't even think that's the proper Italian way to pronounce that. It was just like a weird moment of like, do you want us to ask you about the panini? It was so, and she was like in the car with Danny who was like, what? It, oh my was, goodness. it was great. I Yeah. Okay, I have a small housewife's theory question. I'm ready. What is your housewife's theory on if Danielle and Danny were sleeping together? My housewife's theory is, are you, duh, yes. I thought I'm to- sorry. There is no way. There is okay. no way. Okay. She needed to be validated. Same page, same page, same page. She needed to be validated. Danny was still married. He couldn't come out and say, why was Danny going over to the house? He was so comfortable there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. I just think that Danielle always has like a network of people that maybe is like giving her that physical validation she's looking for because it's most important to her besides her daughters. And I think Danny was at the top of the hotation at that point. Not the hotation, honey. Okay. I just had to ask. Uh, My (laughs) last underrated moment, the way I howled at all of them in Teresa's home getting ready to... (laughs) getting ready to go to Italy and Teresa hears this big crash throws her arms in the air goes running toward the living room assuming it was one of the kids saying who did this and one of them (laughs) goes mommy something broke only for it to be Jacqueline's mom saying I thought there was a step there and I just tripped those (laughs) life-size vases life bigger than Teresa well, one of them now. Well, one of them now. <laughs> Splattered on the floor. I would have been so mad. Oh my oh my gosh, it was so funny though. It I felt so, so bad for Bonnie. And she she was mortified. We nobody could be mad at her. What's your last oh, one? My last one is at Adriana's christening, taking in all of the grandeur. All of the ridiculousness for this teeny tiny infant being dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And <laughs> Praise God. And Caroline looks over. She's taking it all in. And she goes, Marie Antoinette is serving sushi. And we look over. The camera pans over. And indeed, a woman dresses Marie Antoinette was serving sushi. When it's right, it's right, honey. It was insane. Not half of our underrated moments involving food. I know. I digress. <laughs> I digest. Um, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even funny. That was <laughs> Okay, I think it's time for awards. Awards! Who was your center wine glass this season? My center wine glass, red wine, uh, or my MVP was Danielle. Okay. She, I mean, come on. As you said earlier, what would the season have been if Danielle hadn't come back? Fair. I, um, my body just reacted when you said that. It was upsetting. I know. I can see the hives. I'm upset by it. Um, but I understand where you're coming from. I don't agree. I Who's think yours? that my center wine glass was Teresa. And I know that there's a lot that Teresa brings later that she didn't necessarily bring this season, but I think she was really redefining what it is to be a real housewife of New Jersey housewife. And that is why she's my people's princess. <gasps> That's she, great. She's my people's princess because of that very sentiment. I was like, Teresa was teaching us how the game was played. Yeah. Like she had moments of lightness and sentimentality with the pregnancy and the family in Italy. She had drama, producerial moments outside the bathroom. Is bitch better? Yeah. Like she had it all this season for me, and I really enjoyed watching it. I think that in terms of one of the most relatable people on the show, even though she has never been my favorite, probably will never be my favorite, but People's Princess to me, 
this season was probably Jacqueline. I knew you were going to say that. And that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. She did give us everything. And it could definitely be Teresa, but I wanted to say someone else. (laughs) I didn't want to repeat Teresa. No, if that's what you feel, say say, Teresa, own it. But I think that, okay, scaring me. I'm sorry, mom. I don't know. I don't know. Algebra. Um, But to me, it was like I'm doing math. I don't have to buy it because I already own it. (laughs) I hate myself. <laughs> who um, was your villain? Or did you have more you want to say on that? No, that's it. Who was your villain? Miss Ashley. Who was your housewife villain? <sighs> that's hard. Ashley's fair. Mine was Danielle. Danielle is an easy choice. She was definitely She's the easy villain. Easy and obvious. Yeah. Um, but I think that if I didn't have to choose a housewife, which I don't have to, I would have to say it's Ashley. You do have to. No, I don't. And I didn't do that with Orange County in the early seasons, babe. This isn't the early seasons. If you had to pick a housewife, who would it be? I guess Danielle. <laughs> I just wanted to bully you. Not you. Uh, sorry. Um, Call me Danielle just because I just got bullied. Bye. <laughs> okay, Allie, picture it. You're sitting at home in mm. your leather recliner. Mm, leather. Your ass cheeks are stuck to it because <laughs> it's a hot day and you're miserable. The air conditioner is broken. The repairman said he was on his way three hours ago. Where is he? Who's to say? <laughs> The PA doesn't give you headshots printed out because you are in the valley and they don't feel like coming to the valley. So they (laughs) just email you as if the PA has a choice. They'll be fired tomorrow. So they email you the headshots. Who's coming back for season three of New Jersey? It's time to play hired or tired. Okay. Dina, although she left, tired. Tired. I agree. She's had her time. Teresa, hired. Hired. Caroline, hired. Tired. (gasps) We have two minutes for you to explain. Like, What? I think that if I was watching this for the first time, you're right, Caroline. I still stand by what I was saying, that she is the backbone of the thing. Are you saying that she was low-key out of the mix, basically? No, I'm just saying that I... You lie, you lie, you never lie so much. No, I did not say that she Uh was out of the mix. I never agreed with you. Mm -hmm. And yet you're firing her because you are about to say that looking at the season as a whole, she didn't get what she needed to give. Looking at the season as a whole, I don't want to hear about her children anymore. That's what I was saying. Or about the brownstone and all that. I'm ready for new blood, is what I'm saying. Misguided. But fair enough. I respect your opinion. No, you don't. I do, genuinely. Jacqueline. You don't, genuinely. Tired. What? It's time to say goodbye. I, I know. He's in a tizzy. Danielle, tired. Tired, yeah. Okay, so you'd bring back Teresa. I would bring back Teresa. Okay, and you're going to be the reason the show gets canceled. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> okay, I can't even deal with that. I want a new cast. That's what I would want. If I was just, after everything that the they did, like ganging up on Danielle, being very one-sided, Danielle filming by herself. I mean, this is a sure sign to me in any other show. If this was, let's say, a new show like Assault Lake, mm-hmm. that to me is like, you need to start from scratch, find new people, do better. I fully disagree. I fully disagree. Could not disagree more. Again, we stand a little on different sides in regards to if Danielle was bullied or not. Um, but I just fully disagree. I think you. Got, I genuinely think you got the show if you do it this soon in the run and only have one person carrying over. Teresa can carry a show, yes, but I, I do not agree. And that's okay. Um, I know it's okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's another episode. Another one in the can. Next week, y'all, will be Real Housewives of DC Season 1. The Lost Housewives franchise. The one and done, honey. One and done. I can't wait to break it down. Me too. And if you'd like to follow us on socials, you can follow us on Instagram. Instagram at Housewives Theory or on Twitter at HW Theory. And let us know your hot takes because we would love to hear them. Until next time. And now we've said it. And that's a fucking no. <laughs> Bye. Bye.